What's up, everybody? My name is Kyle Pagan, and I am your host of Crossing Broadcast. We have a great episode for you today. It's been about roughly 72 hours since the Jamie Apodi versus Matt Gelb feud has upended the entire sports media world of what is on record, what is off record, what is okay video to post, when is video okay not to post. A member of the media calling another a disgrace. Was there jealousy involved because it got so many views? We'll break that all down with Ann Sanfilippo in about roughly 10 minutes who had an eyewitness account of it all unfold. But first, let's get it back to the Eagles. We've got Kevin Kincaid back from vacation. Kevin, how excited are you for Eagles training camp to be back? I know, is it still true that you might be going down a couple times? We have confirmed that this year? Uh, not confirmed yet. I would like to go, though, okay. um, because we have uh, backup, really. You know, I've got you uh, with me this time around. So, you know, last year, the year before, the year before that, if we were going to go down to training camp, it would have been just me there. You know, nobody would be doing anything for the site, you know. So it was it was like that. that's kind of I don't, I don't know if people know this. That's why we don't go down to Eagles stuff or why we didn't go down to Eagles stuff, because, you know, I had Bob. Doing the Phillies, we had Anthony and Russ going down to Flyers. I was going down to Sixers. Um, and then, if anything, Union popped up. I had a credential for there, too. But we never carried an Eagles credential because, like, going down to training camp, there was just that's time that we could have been putting stuff up on the site, you know. Got so it's like, never, we just never really saw like training camp being worth the time. But since, since you're here, too, I mean, you could be home base. I can go down there, shoot some useless video, and, you know, beam it, beam it back or whatever. You know? so. That's what I want to, that's what I want to ask you. How are you going to separate yourself? If you're allowed down there this, this, this summer, how are you going to separate yourself from the guys who are, you know, charting seven on seven drills or the guys who are posting video or pictures or, Hey, what did Nick Sirianni wear today? How do you plan given the opportunity to separate yourself from the amazing beats that we have in the city? Oh, maybe just not going down too often. Maybe just like two or three times. I don't know. You know, it, it's, you know, it's funny cause we like shit all over that stuff, but there is some, uh, there, there's value in in parts of it, you know, especially like day one, you know, where it's like, hey, you know, Jordan Davis looks jacked, you know, here he is walking into training camp, or mm -hmm. here's AJ Brown's first reps, first you know catches with Jalen Hurts throwing in the ball in an Eagles uniform, or or insert you know, third string tight end here that looks really good, and I think he's going to impress some this year. Yeah, I mean, there's some truth to that kind of stuff. I mean, like Tyree Jackson actually like like look really good. You it's get true. these constant like day if guy like day if guy has a good day, so be it. You have good days and bad days, but if guy consistently is like looking good, you can make some like extrapolations and observations based on that but i think like day one's important uh new guys coming in you know does this guy look jacked did, did this guy lose weight here's the video of, of you know <laughs> Jalen hurts coming coming back you know like what is jonathan ganning gonna play how's this defense gonna look you know I, I, I think there's value in that i think you just get into like uh you, know, you go down a hole when you start charting you know pr practice reps and jalen hurts went three for ten i mean we all we i mean look at what happened with the gunner thing when he posted the yeah. uh yeah, to come he come out to come out and address everybody and tell them to to chill out. But uh, hopefully, yeah, I mean maybe just try to go down a couple times and I don't know have a a little bit of a presence down there. But it's not it's not something that was ever really important to us, you know. So I think you should be fun fun question guy, the one that all the uh, all the media members roll their eyes at, but it probably does the most uh, views on social media. Be fun. Yeah, well, guy. we gotta ask we gotta ask Nick Sirianni. We gotta have him put the uh, settle the settle the record when it comes to Peter from Maple Shade. Right? So we gotta get the the answer to that, you know. And yeah. uh, what's what's Jay Wright like? I heard they're best friends now. I just read an article about that. You know, what's Jay Wright smell like? It's Maybe funny, man, because they that. do 
yeah, we got the we got the schedule, the training camp schedule, and you know they do like a road rotating thing with the coach and the coordinator. So you know, like Sirianni will speak, and then I think like two days later it'll be like Jonathan Gannon, and then two days later it'll be Shane Steichen, and I think um, oh shit, what's the uh, special teams guy Clay Michael Clay? He'll go up there and talk. So they do they like love a, talking to that guy. They love talking to that guy. <laughs> well, it's funny he, like, I, they they ask different questions to the special teams guy too. You know, like remember, remember yeah. Dave Fipp? Remember when he Dave, was here? Dave Fipp was like the longest tenured Philadelphia Eagles coach yeah. for a long time, wasn't he? he was here? He was here for, for, with the uh, he was a holdover from Andy and Chip, I think. Yeah, but, he was very uh, animated. He was a fun interview too. You don't want to be like the douchebag who's in the back who's like, "Well, what do you think of you know blah blah blah?" But at the same time, a lot of the stuff just gets bland because you you're asking a lot of the same questions at press conference too that you're asking a press conference one. There's not a lot of variation between what happened from week to week. You know, when you get to the regular season, you have games, you know, so there's like, you know, demarcations based on like what the topic is, but you know, you, you get to week two in camp. How did AJ Brown look, you know, Oh, he looked great. He looked just like last week. You know? Like there's not enough that changes. <laughs> yeah. That makes it's, it um, it's like, you know how the cap capital one, they do the rankings of like every college team between like all the sports, like Notre Dame won the capital one, like ranking. So it, it means like not only football, baseball basketball but also like gymnastics or also like track and field and everything so they have like a numerical value they put and they rank these guys and they and you win a trophy at the end of the year for being i guess quote unquote having the best athletic program in men's and women's collegiate sports maybe yeah. i should start power ranking all the uh all the beats questions from every day it could get it's going to get annoying it's going to get terrible it's gonna, i'm going to be uh, sipping through 30 minutes of of a film and whatnot but they, maybe we maybe we name our our philadelphia credit union uh champion yeah 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 at the end of the uh, training camp yeah sponsored by cordell and cordell put his name on the, <laughs> on the trophy or something i i think it's funny too because they do they do like just to kind of set the scene down there you know media is only allowed to shoot like a certain portion of practice so they they do like nick sirianni and jonathan gannell speak like 9 30 or 9 40 or whatever then at 10 a.m is when you can start like filming and you get uh, maybe like 15 20 minutes or you get like individual session and warm-ups or whatever but then like most of it is closed off uh you know but then they walk back to the tent and they have this like interview tent and like kind of a mix zone that's set up before you get back to Novacare. So, you know, it's like, like rows of people trying to yell out questions and things like that. It's just, it's a, it's a little chaotic. There's a lot of people down there. There's not as many people down there as when I used to go. Um, I only went casually when I was with channel three because I was doing some stuff with Beasley Reese in the field, but I've never been down there consistently, like as a, as a beat reporter or whatever. I, there's a lot of, it's a lot of people down there. It's kind of hard to kind of stand out from the crowd. So, you got to find value and value. Don't sell yourself so short. Yeah. I think you can the crowd. Hey, listen, right. listen. If if they don't let us in, me and you, we'll get two 12-foot ladders from the South Philly Home Depot down on Columbus Ave, okay? And we'll stand over the bushes and we'll get binoculars and uh, we'll tweet out. We'll tweet yeah. out what's going on. Uh, I mean, I can't imagine they wouldn't. I, we've, we went down a couple of years ago and we talked to them about credentials, but then at the end decided like it wasn't worth the, the time, you know, because we just had a better use of, of time instead of me standing on the sidelines for three hours and then you, they have a media center, we can go back and work. But uh, yeah, I don't know if it makes sense. We'll do it. But if not, you know, we're not going to go crazy for it. it. It still is preseason, you know, at the end of the day, it's still training camp, you know? So Danny We've Smalls checking in saying, uh, you only want to go to Eagles camp so you can rub elbows with Howard asking true or false. No, 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 I, I don't want to be anywhere near that, but uh, it's kind Kiss of the ring. If you're in Philly sports. You're going to run into him eventually. So, <laughs> no, I mean, talking about kind of a uh, Philly media, we'll, we'll move on to another topic. Um, I I wrote the story last week about Jacob Media putting together kind of a a, a really good lineup of of Derek Gunn, Mike Miss, 
Seth Joyner and Devin Caney, who I think is going to be the host. And then you wrote kind of a follow-up to it because you're on vacation about, you know, these guys could kind of go toe-to-toe with NBC Sports Philly, not from like a viewership perspective, because it is very easy just to flip over uh, to Comcast or NBC Sports uh, Philly than it is to, you know, go on your iPad and dial it up and get to YouTube and Jacob Media or go through social media and whatnot. But it'll be interesting to see the kind of viewership that I think Jacob's going to get. And I think a lot of people are going to be watching this. Our people, our Eagles fans in general, ready to kind of not necessarily cut the cord, but are they more willing to go on YouTube for maybe personalities they like more than flipping over to Barcan and only Barrett Brooks right now? We're still 50% uh, waiting for 50% of that, uh, that desk to be filled. What do, what do you think about this? Yeah, it's interesting, man. I think if last year was kind of a like, we're going to enter the scene and, you know, provide an alternative here and get our feet wet with the post game show, then this year they're making a stronger push for it, you know, because last year they did it with, uh, with Devin and Gunner and uh, Mark Frazetta. Uh, Lane, Lane was Johnson, supposed to be on it. Yeah, was supposed to be on it. I guess he missed games when he had his thing. But uh, and John McMullen was down there doing stuff from the locker rooms. So, but this is like a concentrated push. I mean, it's a good group. You know, I mean, Joiner is respected as a former uh, Philadelphia Eagle. Um, Derek Gunn has a lot of respect. Obviously, he's a longtime writer. Mikey Miss, veteran, respected former radio guy. I mean, it's a good. That's a good pool for for that group of talent. Uh, you know, they, they even went so far as to do a like a press conference with the four of them there uh, with Deuces mm-hmm. Rogers hosting it because, you know, it's going to air. It's also going to simulcast on uh, 6abc.com. But, yeah, it's interesting. I- I'm curious to see how many people go to that because, it's like, you know, the like you say, the familiarity of just, like, flipping and pressing, like, 576 on your remote if you got Fios or whatever it is on Comcast, you know, versus uh, – 847. You know, 847 versus pulling it up on YouTube or, you know, scrolling through your phone and clicking on the link or whatever. I think that's one of the advantages that like traditional media always has. Like you talk about podcasts and you talk about listening to music or whatever, but when you get in your car and you turn your car on like WIP or 97.5 comes on, because that's what was there, you know, and like you got to do an extra step to turn the Bluetooth on or like put a, put plug a cord in or some shit, you know? So uh, yeah, it's just, I, I I'm, I'm curious. It's kind of like a turning, turning point for post game live because Ray Dinger's not there. And, uh, you know, Derek Gunn used to like grab guys in the locker room. You know, they've got the resources. They're always going to have a resource advantage over Jacob. But I don't, I don't know how many people make that jump. But it's it's interesting to see that be a be a thing. You know, I also want to know what the portion of people is too who just go to a different game. Yeah, I don't go watch. Like, I don't watch post game. Like I'm I'm in that I'm in that yeah. bucket where I'm like, okay, the four twenty five games coming up. It's probably the Cowboys versus Buccaneers or something like that. Yeah. Like, I I'd rather watch yeah. the America's Game of the Week or the CBS game, whatever it was on the four, or I'll just put on Red Zone. Red Zone. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean it makes there a lot of is sense. Yeah. there is an appetite for Eagle stuff. I mean, if you go and you type Eagles into the YouTube search bar, like there are some guys. I think Lord Brunson's one of the guys who does Eagles stuff. Uh, there's obviously other Eagles creators and whatnot who get like significant, you know, Broads. Uh, you know, he obviously did all four sports, but there's dudes who do get significant numbers on on YouTube. So it'll be interesting to see if they can kind of. And even Jake was building up their platform very respectively. Yeah. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how they can uh, how they can grab viewership uh probably a, a younger demographic yeah we'll um, see I, I mean it's a good it's a good push by that I'm, I'm interested you know they've had some turnover in the ranks before you know they were doing the harry Mays and uh um Aton show with barrett and now barrett's doing the sports take show with gunner and rob uh you know so gunner's appearing on like multiple jacob media um mm-hmm. you know platforms so i, I don't you know I'm, I'm not sure you know and then they do uh birds the 365 with with uh 
Jody and John as well. And then they got Dan uh, Cilio doing, uh, I guess that's a national show. national show. But yeah, I mean, they've got like a, like a, a multitude of offerings here. So I, you know, it's always, it's just part of the continuing theme of like, new media, new platforms provided in an alternative. So. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. Well, our guest is here. He's waiting a couple minutes. Let's bring him on. Anthony San Filippo, which I like to call him. I like to call him the bodyguard. I, <laughs> I call him the bodyguard. Cause you know why I think he, I think he takes Nick Cassianos if that goes to blows. And I think Kevin Gregg, he gets Jim Salisbury. What do you think? I, it's a good question, I, and that's what I was thinking. It's like <laughs> I, th I thought that I was going to have to jump in there because it was like you know, Kevin um, Greg makes eye contact with me at one point. Like, what do we do? And, and like, it was almost like this this silent conversation we were having. I'm like, all right, I'll stick around and see what happens. And if I need, if I'm needed, I'll I'll provide my services. But I didn't I didn't know which direction I would go. Kyle, why don't you, you set the scene just in case yeah. there's like anybody remaining on this earth who is not familiar <laughs> with the story, which is, I think, officially after we're done talking about it today, we'll officially have jumped yeah. the shark. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So we're, we're 72 hours late, which is basically three weeks in uh, internet uh, time. Um, but yeah, we will we will be the final kibosh on this whole. Yeah. Uh, well, let's start at Jim Salisbury and Nick Cassianos. Jim Salisbury asked him a question if he heard the booze. Nick Cassiano says that's a stupid question. Later, as we see, a doctored video came out. The nice transition, whoever did that. Shout out to Jamie Apodi's uh, six ABC team over there in the editing booth. Um, the the uh, interview ends. The cameras were perceived to go down, and then Jim and Nick kind of go at it after the uh, after the, everybody thought the cameras were were gone. Jamie Apodi. Uh, gets the video from the 6ABC News cameraman. She tweets it out. It goes insanely viral. I can't believe. Like, we've, we've seen scrums before. We've seen dust-ups. You know, Ryan Leaf is one of the best ones I can remember from back in the day. This did 3 million views on Twitter. Oh, on, her, alone. on her Twitter? On her, on her Twitter, Twitter alone. It did 3, 3 million. million? It did, it did oh. 2 million in 24 hours. I couldn't believe how wow. how how crazy this went. So... Um, everything's kind of dying down, you know, it's just another media scrum, blah, blah. And then we have Matt Gelb who comes into the situation. He, he replies to a tweet, doesn't even tweet himself, just replies to a tweet saying, Jamie Apodi is a disgrace. And that's where it just fires fuel yeah. on gasoline on the fire. And yeah. that extends it for another 24 hours of who's right. Who's wrong. Uh, was it off the record? Was it on the record locker room ethics? All this stuff, I love it personally. This is why I, I, I came to write for Crossing Broad and, and, and do this kind of shit. Um, so anytime that that the media gets into it, but Ant was there firsthand. I don't know if Craig could pull up the photo of Ant, but Ant, um, firsthand account. Can you kind of walk us through it? I'm sorry that I ma I'm making you do this because you've yeah, probably no heard it a hundred times. No, no, it's it's it's, it's cool. Um, and I'll tell you, like my firsthand account was initially my thought on Saturday night was I'm not going to do anything with this. And then all of a sudden, Jamie puts that video out and I start getting texts from people like, dude, you're in this video and everybody's put everybody's talking about it. And then across my phone comes the Kyle Pagan tweet <laughs> about me being in the shot. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. Like, so I got no choice. I have no choice but to talk about it. Um, of course, my initial reaction was. I'm like Kevin. I think it's more of a. I think this was this whole thing was more of a nothing. <laughs> Uses line is more of a nothing burger, right? I mean, seriously. I mean, it, these kinds of interactions between the media and players, 
that get slightly elevated um, in tone happen all the time. Yeah. All the time. I've been part of them in hockey locker rooms. It, they just happen. Guys get mad at, at a question you asked, and you have to try and justify. You stand up for it. You, you exchange words for a little bit, and then you and then you walk away. Either you you settle it there, or the next day you guys you know shake hands and everything's kosher dills again, right? I mean, and and that's it. So these things happen all the time. So like I didn't think anything of it, but then when the six ABC video comes out, my initial reaction is, okay, I know why everybody's freaking out, but they need context. There's more to this interview. Like there was more before the question. There was more after the question. And then, you know, and then the, then you know, everybody thought the cameras were off when Jimmy went back at Nick to talk about it. So, Which it seems like it, it, I know a lot of people were like, hey, Nick Cassianos probably thought that was off the record. But it also seemed like, I mean, Jimmy's a proven vet. Nick Cassianos has been in the MLB for 10 years. They, they both understand when someone says all done, then that's the time to. Well, let it. me let me let me jump in here and just give, give some macro level context for that, because this kind of split into like two different topics entirely. Right. Fans cared more about whether they thought it was a dumb question or not, right? So you have the nature of the question and whether it was stupid and how Cassianos responded to that. So you could take Jim and Cassianos and put them in one bucket, right? Mm -hmm. The second bucket that we focused more on on the website, at least in my write-up, was the nature of the conversation being on the record or off the record, right? So you have two kind of yeah, separate, separate and, and things. So, and so my, my take on this, one, is it a dumb question? I don't think it is because it was in the framework of multiple questions surrounding the same topic. It wasn't the first question. Um, it wasn't. The, it's not like he walked up to him and said, so did you hear the booze? Like it, the, the first question, I believe, asked about the team's continued struggles hitting and his then Nick yeah. struggling to hit. And then he says, yeah, you're hearing the booze. You know, I mean, so, so it's kind of like trying to trying to get Nick to talk a little bit more. He always gives two, three word answers kind of thing. Yeah. And I think so. I think Jimmy's just. I think it was kind of innocuous, right? I mean, and and then, and then even after Cassiano says, "No, I lost my hearing." If you if you pay close attention, Salisbury laughs. You can hear him laugh at that. He yeah. laughs at. I mean, like he yeah. thought it was kind of like a you know just interplay between reporter and and subject. And then Cassiano's called it a stupid question, which then sets us into another world. And you're right. So that puts that bucket aside. Is it on record, off the record? Um, I think the mistake that Jimmy makes is going right back at him. I mean, I know he looks around to see if the cameras are off and then goes at him. Yeah. But Jimmy probably would have been better served to say to Kevin Gregg, hey, can I stay back for a minute and just talk with you and Nick after? Yeah, the just pull him, like, pull him pull off to the side. Anyway, right yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And that probably would have made it a little bit better. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, look, you're covering guys every day for nine hours a day since mid-February, sometimes, you know, uh, an answer like that, especially if it's if it's public and makes you look a little bad, I can see why Jimmy get frustrated. They, they, right? here's the thing. It's like when you, this is the kind, it's actually kind of an interesting story because there's like a journalism lesson in here that fans may or may not give a shit about, but at least we can add some context to it based on sure. that. It's like when you walk into an open locker room, Ant, like anything is like fair game generally. If like, of what's his face smashes a TV with a baseball bat or something Correct. and you're standing on the other side of the room. Okay. So-and-so just smashed a TV with the base. I can't remember the guy's name for some reason. Carlos Santana. 
Carlos Carl, Santana. And Chris Sale did it like two weeks ago with Boston. Right, right. But yeah. in, so in this case, you have a separate thing where it's like a, a on-record conversation with a couple people. There are like clear lines of demarcation here where you guys said, thanks, Nick. And he, yeah. he said, all done, question mark. You guys said, thanks, Nick. I saw one camera light go out. I think it was you and was it Alex Coffey who was standing there? Like whatever, yeah. moved a recorder, put your hand down or something like that. Right. And then right after that, you know, Nick turns and, and continues his conversation with Salisbury, which you guys knew was off the record, but it was such a brief transition there. Right. It was right. like two seconds where it was like, all done. Good. Thanks. Okay. That was a stupid question, you know, and the ABC camera was still rolling, but my point I'm trying to make with all that is like, okay, that specific incident there, we have now drawn the line where that went from on record to off record. So even though you're technically in an open locker room, we have you know made notice that that is now off record and that's more shouldn't be privy to that, you know, because yeah, everybody, yeah, everybody else stopped, you know? I, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're right. And it, it's a very fine line with the quote unquote journalistic rules. Um, and you know, I, I, when you have cameras, you got to be careful. And it really, I mean, it's what it is. I mean, if yeah. you're, you know, you don't, you want to have that private conversation with a guy, you better name make sure the cameras are gone because you never know if they're still recording. And like I said to Bob on the podcast, like if you look even the angle from when he's shooting directly at Nick to when it's like just afterwards and the, and the, the quote unquote fight happens, he's got the camera lower. So it's now off of his shoulder yeah. He's still holding it like up, but it's off his shoulder, but it's still on record. We don't know it's still on record. Like we don't see that it's still recording. We don't have no idea that ABC is still recording this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and even when he turns and walks out, you don't even know. He's like, you could see he's walking out and it's recorded. I don't know. Does he know he's still recording? Was it accidental? Like, Cause I you, know. you said you walked with Salisbury after yeah. the whole thing, right? And I what did. did he say to you? So I said, to, so I said to Jimmy, I said, listen, I said, I've been there, man. I said, you know, I've been there. I said, I, I give you credit for for standing up for your question. I mean, I mean, you know, and he said, he said, I don't want to be part of this. You know, I don't want the story out of this. And like, I, I think he thought initially, here goes crossing broads going to make a big, big deal out of this. And I, and I said to him, I said, I don't, I don't intend on making anything out. I don't intend on writing this. I mean, this was, I've seen far worse. I wrote I mean, the I, and, and just for the record, like everybody knows this, but I wrote the most fair shit I could write. Yeah, you know? like yeah. so. I don't know. Everybody, people will say this thing like, "Oh, Crow's going to be on Crossing Broad. Crossing Broad's going to take it or whatever." Like, you should be happy that I'm taking it and nobody right. else is taking it because I'll at least try to be fair about it or or tell well, all sides of it. So, but see, I'm, I had zero problem, Kevin, with with us putting something out yeah. once Jamie puts the video out. Like that's that's yeah. like it'd be different yeah. if I called you up and said. Hey, guess what took place in the locker room? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then and you we had just went try. bang, bang, and threw something right up with that. Right, that. and threw something right up there. So yeah. that would be, I think that's what Jimmy's looking at me saying. I hope you guys don't do something like that. Yeah. And I would, I would never. And then this is where I got, I disagree with OG Kyle in the sense that when he puts the tweet out, from Kyle Scott here, he puts the tweet out saying, this is why I have a problem with access in a locker room because it protects certain things. Um, and I said, like, no, no, it's it's not about that. It's not that I don't think that there's something that could be beneficial news-wise here. Yeah. Unless you have something to actually show people, to just describe it, wouldn't have. I don't know what good would that have done. Would that if have, it would been, have been that? Yeah, would, it would, would have been, been a good, good post for us. I don't think it would have been. No. And, and in that sense, when you say violating the sanctity of the locker room, well, again, there's times. You know, I said this on the pod. Kyle's Kyle's writing in not you Kyle but Kyle Scott's writing in our Slack chat that you know uh, 
you know, Anthony's going to get a Pulitzer this year for the stuff he's breaking from the Flyers. I kind of jokingly saying that, but the point is, is that I get none of that if I'm the kind of person who would put out, hey, guess what Jim Salisbury and Nick Castellanos did in the locker room, right? I mean, yeah. that, that would, I would, yeah. there would be no trust. We do, we do the irreverent stuff. We do the goofy breakdowns and we have fun doing it, but I, yeah. I think we do a pretty fair job of it. I mean, I honestly don't get a lot of complaints about like, hey, this was unfair i thought you didn't do this i mean like obviously people will complain about certain things and just the nature of what we do invites more of that obviously because we try to tread the line it's difficult to tread the line but like i didn't trash matt i didn't trash jim i didn't trash castianos i didn't trash jamie you know like at the end i chalked it up to like honestly maybe like a miscommunication because maybe and i'm just guessing here i don't know i'm just like you know hypothesizing and like you know musing to myself but like Hey, maybe the action news guy didn't realize that that had switched to off the record, or maybe he had a different definition of off the record because the transition was quicker. You know, maybe if Jamie was there and saw it herself, maybe she would have thought differently of it. You know, right. Gelb also was not there, which is the irony in the whole thing. Well, that's that's to me. That's why I have a problem with what he did. That's why I have a problem with Gelb. I, he took him. He, t- he said he took the he on his podcast. He said he he was off. Um, he was off. Yeah, record. yeah. I mean, that was why. I mean, it was first of all, it was an it was an unnecessary comment about Jamie Apodi, but then the whole come down here and talk to me at the ballpark thing, like, dude, you weren't even there. Yeah. Like, come to me the you weren't even there to talk to you. Like, she could have been there and you would have known. Yeah. I would have known if she wasn't there. If yeah, she was come, there say it to my, come say it to my face, but tomorrow, because I'm off today. <laughs> like, Guess who was there? Guess who was there yesterday? Both Matt Gelb and Jamie Apodi, I'll tell you that. Yeah. I was, I'm curious, like, and I, I wanted to know, like, how that went yesterday. I wish oh. I haven't heard anything yet. They probably, Jamie, I'm sure they just, I'm sure they just handled it, you know. Yeah. For Jamie not to just tweet out a picture of the ballpark, I mean that was a miss. That that would have been, I would have been hilarious. I would have been point Jamie on that one, <laughs> yeah. and then tag Matt. Hey, listen, <laughs> if Jim Salisbury wanted that story killed, it would have been the first story killed last week from Spooky Sports Media. Okay, so no. tell him that we'll always have that. Yeah, so. we'll leave, we'll leave that at that. But here's the funny thing too is like. Matt, when he came back after he said the disgrace thing and the come say it to my face thing or whatever, like he explained eloquently enough in 162 characters or however many characters you get on Twitter. Now, hey, I thought the edited video lacked context. Let's stop calling it edited video, by the way. It's it's truncated is what it is. Okay, it's not heavily edited. It's not doctored. Like when you say doctored, you're you're making it sound like you put like deep fakes in it or something. You added something they cut the middle out of it. So it was, it was, it was shortened. It was, you know, there's one edit, they but it wasn't Ant's, like, it was like, they fake. cut Ant's shitty question that he admitted was a shitty question just to keep the, uh, <laughs> well, to keep the interview like, going. I, I wanted to keep watch, the, all I wanted to do was keep the interview going. That's why I asked the shitty question. But when you watch the whole thing back to me, it makes, it makes Castellanos look a little better mm-hmm. because he was answering questions, albeit briefly. And it, and it didn't make Jim look any better, or any worse in my, in right. my estimation, because if you go back and watch the end where he says, thanks all done. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. He d- goes to Salisbury first. Yeah. yeah, he tells him it's a stupid question. Like for all intents and purposes, Jim was done with it at, at right. that point, you know. Right. So, but I think the other thing that's funny here too is that I look at the reaction to this, and I see fans, like I said, mostly focusing on, well, was it a stupid question? They don't necessarily care about the media stuff, but enough of them find it interesting when I explain it. Okay, this is why so and so saw it as being an issue, you know. So it's kind of like two separate things there. But I just get the sense that there's like a shift of. I don't think fans necessarily care as much about the locker room 
stuff as as they used to. And to Anthony's original point, like when we started this, like this stuff happens all the time. The reason that you don't hear about it is because it's off the record and it's right. squashed and it's handled. I once, yeah. watched, I'll tell you a story. Um, this is probably like past the statute of limitations at this point. He's retired, so he probably wouldn't mind me telling it. But Mark Narducci at the Inquirer is like the nicest dude on the planet. Yeah. Like never confrontational with anybody. Always asks like reasonable questions or whatever. Peter Novak was the Philadelphia Union coach. He was a Polish guy. He was very fiery and confrontational. So he asked him like a very innocuous question about a player coming back to Philly after they traded him. Hey, what do you think the re- response is going to be like for him? Peter, for some reason, thought that was a bad question. As soon as the press conference ended, he said, come out in the hallway and talk to me. And they yelled at each other for 10 minutes in the hallway about like whether this was a fair question or not. But they squashed it and they just handled it. And he said, this is why I think it's a legit question. This is why I don't think it's a legit question. But that shit happens all the time. It happens like every week, you know? And what I'll what I'll say on the opposite side of that, Kev, is I'll say there are times when I think it is newsworthy. And, yeah. But it has to escalate to a point, I believe, to get to become newsworthy. Yeah. And the example that I threw to Bob I don't know if you guys heard, was Carcidi and Mike Richards down in Washington. The, the, the initial back and forth between them, you know, was contentious, but it wasn't, you know, like, oh, this is newsworthy stuff between Sam and, and Mike. The interview ends, and then Mike comes over to talk to me because I was, the at the time, the uh, chair of the Hockey Writers Association for, our, for Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So Mike comes over to talk to me to ask me, you know, what the hell? Like, why Why was I ambushed with these questions? I knew nothing about the story coming out, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, I know, I know. I said, this was probably not the right time. I said, let me talk to Sam, whatever. But Sam sees me talking to Mike and comes right over again and gets in Richard's face. And now they're threatening each other. Now they're going to get, and LaViolette comes walking out of his office and has to separate the two. Like, he has to get between them and actually push them, like, hands on both of them. I've been there before. Going after each other. So yeah. that... That to me is yeah. an escalating story where the media and the player is fighting. Well, and okay. it to, yeah, that's I, a story. I, I think the right? natural extension of that is like you try to advance that and say, okay, so how does this affect the fan? Because like, does the fan give a shit if like Sam Carcidi is trying to fight Mike Richards? Maybe they find that entertaining, but maybe. But a lot of people now are like, well, the media is full of themselves. They're being a bunch of divas. Here they are talking about themselves again. But I'll give you actually like what I think is a good example of how this affects them and other people. Doc Rivers having his various head buttings with us, right? You know, that's a stupid, that's a dumbass question. Would you ask Pop that question? We're not doing the Paul Reed victory tour, right? We'll just go with those three. Um, most people actually like sided with the media actually on that when when normally it'd be like, oh, the media is lame, you know, who gives a crap about these questions or whatever. But to me, it was like Doc is like, why is he like, you know, wasting his time, you know, responding this way? And is he like losing focus on the, on the, court or stuff that really matters you know i think you can look at sometimes when there's these petty media versus player fights and make the observation that okay maybe this guy's just not in the right headspace right now or maybe they need to focus on what matters or you know stop don't worry about like arguing with keith pompey and austin krell and Derek bodner and just like get back to what matters you know maybe that's an appropriate way to like advance it and say how does it really affect the fan because at the end of the day i, I it's like i said that observation was like more people seemed interested in whether the booing question was a stupid question versus like whether it was on record or off record and whether it should have been posted in the first place. Kevin, and you can ask, answer this too. Do you think it's because of how they perceive 
the individual. Like Doc Rivers, not he was not getting the most. Uh, everyone wasn't really happy with him at the at the time that he was uh, uh, coming out with the pop question. I think that was after a loss, and then the Paul Reed victory yeah. tour when DeAndre Jordan was playing. I think a lot of people still like Cassianos as a person. They just don't like that he's not producing. Yeah, right I mean, now. certainly. I mean, like based on what the flavor of the week is, like how a certain person is being perceived, if they're in favor, if they're out of favor, that certainly influences like what side somebody's going to take for sure. But there's just kind of like this general movement and crossing broad honestly kind of helped spur it a little bit back in the day of like, hey, you know, these some of these questions are bullshit. Some of this mm -hmm. is fluff. Like some of this stuff just doesn't really matter. You know, how did you play today? You know, well, nobody cares, you know, but yeah. You know, I, I, Anthony will tell you, and I will tell you too, that there's value in locker room stuff if it's done right. You know, I mean, like Phil Jasmine used to sit down next to Allen Iverson, right? Uh, it's just that I think the art of that has kind of changed a little bit. Access was a little different after COVID. You know, people don't know how to just like, there's a lot of distrust, especially too, because we don't get to know these guys really, you know? And so it's like, you know, you get more from these guys who they, they will answer a question more legitimately. They might open up if you just like get to know them as a regular person. Everybody's always suspicious of you in the media. This is the problem with being in the media is like whenever I call somebody on the phone or whenever I walk up to them, talk to them in person, they think I'm looking for something. I'm like, yo, dude, I'm not looking for a story. I'm not looking for tips or anything. Like, how are you? You know, okay. like what's going on? Everybody's like, you know what I'm saying, Anthony? Like everybody's always like suspicious. They are. And and, yeah. and it's until you, until you break through. And I, and I've had this happen with a couple of, uh, a couple of players in my time where, you know, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I could say this publicly. I mean, I became closer with Danny Briere when he was going through his divorce because he has three children. Um, I have three kids. I was divorced. He was divorced. And like, just what was that like? You know, that, you know, when he was, it was like trying to, he was asking me like personal questions, you know, what was it like to go through that? And like, we had that relationship. And then um, with Brian Boucher, like his kid wanted to go to St. Joe's prep. And like talking about, you know, the school and, and, you know, what's he, what's he looking, you know, what's it going to be like when he goes there and stuff. And, and you, you have these conversations with these athletes in the locker room. That's where every one of these conversations, it's not like they called me up on the phone. These conversations took place in the locker room. And like, once you have that and you can kind of like, you know, they realize, Hey, I'm a human too. You're a human too. And we can, yeah. we can speak like people and not, yeah. it's not going to be publicized. Um, I think that thing works. I, and, and ultimately, though, I think the, the biggest problem is social media. I mean, pre-social media or at the very dawn of it when Twitter was just, you know, you tweeted out just, you know, what's going on during the game and not opinions and stuff. I mean, those first couple of years, it wasn't a big deal. But once it became so pervasive and everybody was able to put something out there, yeah, that's when every that's when those relationships kind of started to disappear. It's and also removed. It's also removed and layers of uh, eyeballs and editing. Whereas, yeah. like you know, normally, like you'd shoot that video, it would be beamed back to six ABC. An executive producer would look at it. A sports producer would look at it. An editor would have to put it together, right? So you'd have like four different sets of eyeballs. But right. now you're looking at one person's news judgment, whether it's right or wrong. There's no layers to it. It's like, oh yeah, this happened. Shit, we got to get it up now. Yeah. You know? But that yeah. ends up putting stuff up there that hasn't really been, um, you know. Uh, <laughs> You know, evaluate. It's all about being first a lot of times. Like you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. it's not about being right. It's about being first. You know, I mean, it, <laughs> it really, we, it really we is. Throw up, we throw up shit quicker than anybody, but we're not talking about like you know the January sixth hearing here. We're talking about like no, sports. But I will say this, and and to your point there, Kevin, and and yes, we do throw things up faster than anybody. But when we have something that's kind of a breaking story, 
think about all the processes we go through behind the scenes yeah. before we actually put it up there. Like we yeah. talk, we have conversations. Hey, take a look at this. What do you think? Is there any edits that need to happen? Like we're we're communicating and working with each other um, in a way that's different than you know just kind of throwing it. Hey, this happened. Here's our our little quick little commentary on it. Yeah, um, as opposed it's to something that we break. Right, then it's a little bit different. It's nicer with a smaller staff too, you know, because there's just like you got like something that works, like you got a couple little layers there, and everybody you know, checks and balances, people helping out, reading stuff if you need to. And it's just better than being like this big like corporate you know mess of like you know a news director and an executive producer and an assistant news director and an editor and a 11 p.m. person and a 6 p.m. person. You know, I think when you keep it smaller like that, just keep things in house and just makes it makes yeah. it easier. So what's the, two, what's the what's the end game? Sorry, is, I got I got a quick question. Sorry. Yeah. If there are too many beat reporters. Are there too many beat reporters? Yeah. I honestly, well, I mean, I can, I, I, did the, I did the smallest beat in the city, you know, the union where it was like the same four or five guys there. And we had amazing relationships with everybody. We all worked off of each other because we weren't like climbing over top of each other to shove a recorder in somebody's face, you know? Um, um, you, also, you also think it's because now players, athletes can now control the story. Easier than they ever could control the story before. Yeah. Draymond can go, can finish playing the game and go record his podcast. And it's like, what the hell do you need yeah. uh, Kevin Kincaid recording and doing quotes? For, yeah, you know? It's a good question, Kyle, because I, I look at it and say, in some instances, my answer would be yes, there are too many, but not because I think people are not doing good work. I think it's, we're, we're at an era right now and it, eventually this will change, but we're at an era right now where there's still too much of a old school mentality versus new school mentality on how to do this job. Right. And so what happens is, is you have 20 people down there for a press conference or an interview and half of us feel like, okay, this is the way that this should be done. And this is the way we've always done it. And this is the good process. And then there's half the people that are like, let's burn the fucking thing down. Right. And, and let's just go. And, and that's where you, and then you have to figure out, well, how do I live in both worlds as, as yeah. the person that I am? Like, do you, will I still be trusted because these idiots are asking this question the way, this way? Or do I kind of adapt to that and, and kind of be a little bit more incendiary from time, time to time? So yeah. you really have to kind of figure out where you fit in that and and that's kind of that's why i think that's what makes it difficult so i sometimes i'll say yes there are too many but then look at you look at that game where we're, we're down there i'm not the, the number one beat guy bob is right so i'm the backup guy for crossing broad yeah. um you have salisbury but there's no breen there's no zalecki um you yeah. only had uh aaron bracy from the ap and um alex coffee from the inquiry that's it there were, we were the four there was four writers there yeah. and and one is a backup so that's, that's crazy to me, by the way, 10 years ago, thinking how popular the Phillies are, that there's a locker, a clubhouse with four people in it. But I, I think the other thing, too, that I want to mention, my, my, my final thought on this is just, and Anthony, you know this as well, but there's, I don't want to say there's like a lingering, it's not a hostility, it's not like a resentment, but the TV people and the writing people are, might as well be two different uh, types of worlds, right? They are. So, yeah. You know, and then Jamie's got a different job. Jeff Skaversky had a different job. Deuces has a different job. Like they like the guy who's watching action news at like eleven twenty-five on Friday night, watching the two-minute sports segment or whatever they give them. He doesn't like necessarily give a fuck what order the Phillies are batting in, right? So they ask questions like, "Hey, what was it like to play in front of this crazy fan 
base or like what do you what was it like you know coming to philadelphia trying your first cheesesteak or something like tv is surface level stuff that reaches a wider audience and so they don't go as deep right i think sometimes beat reporters look at that and it's like you know what is with these questions man can we like ask stuff that matters because they throw you all in the same scrum so i think there's a little bit of a not i don't say that i wouldn't say the two sides resent each other don't like each other but it's like hey i got like my stuff i got to focus on here you got your stuff to focus on over here and we're we're technically looking for different things different quotes asking different questions so maybe there's like a unspoken of beat writer versus tv kind of you know background hostility but i they would have to speak on that themselves you know yeah, why I, who what what tv I, guy do you hate on the sixers beat kev <laughs> I just I'll give you an example. Here's like a perfect example. If you have like something big that happens, Joel Embiid said, um, you know, I'm gonna beat this guy's ass, right? So the first, you know, uh press conference, the first scrum that we get with him, everybody wants to focus on that, you know. Or here, I'll give you a better example. Actually, here's a better one. The Markel Fultz stuff, when Brian Colangelo spoke to us for the first time about all the Markel Fultz shoulder stuff, somebody came in and was asking about like the the trade deadline. And it's like, yo, we got 25 minutes with this guy. Every single question should be about trying to figure out what the hell is going on with Markel Fultz. So somebody who's got a different job, who's like, you know, doing fluffy stuff, scratching the surface, they come and kind of derail that with these questions that don't really matter. So sometimes you work. It, sometimes it's like this big clump of media, but you're not always working together. Like people's, I need this quote. I need this quote. Or there, I'm used, to, there, this. there used to be a time when I first started on as, as a beat writer back 23 years ago. And it didn't last very long, but there used to be a time where there was separate uh, availability for television yeah. and for the writers. Baseball did that up until not long ago, actually. Yeah, so yeah. It, was, it was separate. It, it wasn't like it was crazy. Like you were there together, but like they would make the cameras go first one yeah. day, and they would ask their questions. Okay, you done cameras off. Okay, beat guys come in, or or vice versa. Boom, beat guys first, and then the cameras say. But whatever. So they. They weren't allowed to interview. They weren't allowed to put the cameras on with the stuff that we were doing. But now, because we all have video and audio that can be put out immediately in pla on platforms, that I think that that's kind of why that went away. Like a blob. It's like less. Yeah. There's less to separate everybody. Right. Right. So here. So I'm gonna jump in real quick. So this is perfect about like putting out media. I'm at the urinal at the Princeton when this when this video breaks, and I go into this this shit watery. Um, bathroom that has water spilling out of the toilet to listen to Nick Castellanos and Jim Salisbury get into it. We post it on Crossing Broad. This is all in the Princeton. I get a call from Anthony thinking I'm in trouble when I when I uh, when I posted it and whatnot. And then, yeah, that's really what and it you is. And you misunderstood what I said to you. <laughs> I know I did because then you put a tweet out the next morning saying like I I understand Anthony made Nick Castellanos yeah, smile, and, and I'm like. I did. I was at the I was at the Princeton. I was at the Princeton. It was a long day, but I'm just saying that's like I'm I'm part of the problem. I'm throwing out videos and I'm tagging Ant and stuff. A couple beers deep. A couple beers. Uh, well, we'll work on the lines of communication there. We'll get everything. No, I think. You know, but just so if we want to clear that up, what I think what that Kyle misunderstood, and I can tell it now, is as we were as we were walking out the very end. Um, you know, kind of, you know, we're standing there, you know, the cameras turn and they all start to walk away. And, you know, Kev, um, uh, Kevin is pushing, you know, Jimmy away. I kind of look back at Nick real quick and he just gave me this little nod and this smile. And I just 
I, I couldn't smile back. I had my mask on, but I just kind of nodded back at him. And I think I told you that. That's and I think you was, thought yeah. that that was, uh, you know, Castellanos was acknowledging me at some point during the interview that was like funny. And I was like, uh, no, <laughs> it was just kind of a thing at the end. Was you, you said on the, on the podcast, he got out of the shower. Uh, and then that's when you guys went over to him. Yeah. Yeah. Were they like fighting in his? Was he in his underwear when he was like talking to Jim? Or did he, he had pants a, on? He, had, he was. He had a towel on down below, but he put a shirt on. Yeah. Okay, so that's yeah. Now that's even funnier. Now that's, that's very funny. Because it was originally we walked over. He goes, "All right, hold on, guys. Let me put a shirt on." So he put yeah. a shirt on, but he still had a towel. It's very <laughs> uncomfortable. It's always very uncomfortable, especially when I was doing the union. You know, we'd have the they make these European signings, you know, and they don't have open locker room over there. So first of yeah. all, they're like, why the hell are these guys in the locker room in the first place? Then I'm like, hey, Harris, you know, I've uh, got a minute here. He's like, yeah, let me put some pants on. So it's so uncomfortable because you're standing there like <laughs> off to the side, just like, you know. Wait, uh, waiting for dude to put his yeah, underwear on. Yeah, right? Did he put his pants <laughs> on? Now I can still see his ass. Now, Castellanos is hanging dong, just <laughs> fighting with Jim Salisbury. That's that's the headline right there. Yeah, that's a whole other. That's a whole other sidebar thing. I think actually Anthony came on crossing broadcast with us the original one back in the day. And we talked about like locker whether how like whether locker room mattered or not like during COVID or whatever. But that can be a whole. How, how do here's 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 like my final question on this thing like. I get. How does this resolve? Do Apodi and Gelb fight each other? Did they settle it, perhaps? In a you know, let's call Damon Feldman. We need a celebrity, oh, yeah. uh, celebrity boxing match there, yeah. right? I'd buy. Yeah. yeah, get a get a card going. Get the angry bagel guy to fight Lenny Dykstra yeah. too. Whatever happened to that one? Yeah, that's that's all you have to do. Hey, by the way, you know, you guys got to get out and do uh, the celebrity football with Damon yeah. Feldman. He's got a big press conference oh. coming up. Yeah, yeah, I gotta. Li- I could jump in there. I gotta live up to that highlight that we put on. Yeah, that's right. On Twitter. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Um, <laughs> Kev, do you have anything else? No, I was just gonna say to wrap up the Eagles stuff. Like, you know, uh, important thing. The thing you're looking for, number one, probably Jalen Hurts. Right this week, how does he look? AJ Brown, how does he look? Probably the most exciting guy they signed. And honestly, I think like low key, probably like second or third most important thing. If anybody's trying to pull anything meaningful out of training camp, is just trying to get some clues to what Jonathan Gannon's going to do this year. <clears throat> Cause I think we, it looks like they built the personnel for a three, four this year. Jordan Davis going to anchor that as a nose tackle. How are you going to line up Hassan Reddick? What are you going to do with like your, well, you actually have a lot of good linebackers for the first time in like 10 years. So how are they going to deploy them? So, you know, if we end up going down there this week, that's kind of the stuff that I'd you'd probably focus on, you know, how does Jalen hurts look? How does AJ Brown look? And how are they, you know, lining up these defensive guys. Those are those are topics I think one, two, and three to me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ant, as always, thank you so much for coming on. What I've learned from this interview is do not stand next to Ant San Filippo in a scrum. <laughs> an immediate scrum. Anything, okay? No, Castellanos would have looked at you and said, Does anybody want to answer that question for me? <laughs> well, well, he did. It's like I'm, like, I'm the first person he looks at. I'm like, Oh, shit. Like, nobody's going to answer. Nobody's well, only, had four, only had four people to look at. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man. But you know what? If you ever get a chance, Kyle, you can go back and look a couple of years, obviously pre COVID. Um, there used to be a, a, a bit on uh, TSN, uh, the, the ESPN of Canada, um, that they used to call something called Scrum Lurkers. And Scrum Lurkers was like this little video <laughs> vignette thing that they used to do yeah. where they would catch media like in the back of a scrum, like picking their nose or, you know, mouth wide open, like just looking like total tools. And I can't tell you how many times they caught me on that thing. I'm, I've got to be in their Hall of Fame. But Russ, <laughs> Russ, the one year that Russ had actual locker room access, I think he made it on six times. Really? One year. Yeah. And he looked like a... T- 
I, he made me look like a, a star. What was he doing? Just, just kind of like just zoning out. Uh. One time he's like, it looks like he's sniffing the guy. Like he was so close, it looks like he was sniffing his neck. Like it was, it's, it's, just, and people would put it up on Twitter, and then of course Scrum Lurkers would have it on, and there would be, there would yeah. be Russ right yeah. in the back of Scrum Lurkers. Oh, the most famous Scrum Lurker was the Jordan Hall. Um, well, yes, and Taron Hatcher. Hatcher. Yeah. Yes, that yeah. was the greatest. We had to write an entire story on the website explaining that, like, he's not a, he's not a lurker. They actually like, know each, know each <laughs> other. They're they're friends. Friends. <laughs> so we're building bridges and clearing things up at Crossing Road. Yeah, and then we just we sometimes burn them and then we build them back up again. Uh, we only, we're fair about it, though. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Right. Thanks, Ant. Right. Man. Thanks, Ant. Yeah, you got it, guys. Anytime. All right. All right, um, Kev. Do you want to talk about anything else? Anything else on the mind? We got we're fifty two minutes right now. No, no, um, nothing that was like amazingly pertinent. I got another fifty hot takes that I'm working on, so we're gonna I think drop that tomorrow. Um, what else did we do on the website? I can't even rem- remember. Uh, oh, I nothing, got one. I got nothing. one thing for you. Yeah, I think you'd actually have a pretty good uh, thought process on that. You being the Bruce guy. Um, look at these bad boys. Bruce Springsteen tickets for the E Street <laughs> Band Thursday, March sixteenth. I don't know if this says where it's at. Is that the Wells Fargo? Oh, Wells Fargo, five thousand seven hundred and forty-five dollars for two tickets because the algorithm people. Were, so this is the backstory. I think Coggin actually had his wife was was on. I didn't even know she was a Springsteen fan or Coggin was a Springsteen fan. Supposedly they a lot of people got through, and then they got to the to the uh, cart summary. And it was $6,000, $4,000, $5,000 for two seats to Bruce Springsteen. You're every man. A real man of the people. Yeah. Yep. Blue collar. Yep. Five, $5,736. Oh, and then there's a $2 delivery charge. As well. Oh, thank God. That. Yeah. Bruce. Thank God. The Bruce. boss. Might as well set the, your money on fire. Dude, That's the sports writers, hard. imagine the scrums today. They're going to be pissed off. Maybe we have another. Yeah. That'll be the chatter one. on the Eagles side when we get to uh, Eagles camp. That'll be the chatter on the sidelines. How much did you pay for Bruce tickets? Oh, three thousand dollars. You know, <laughs> fucking gross, man. Why Makes is that? Because wrong. they said the t- the algorithm just understands demand. So if you're willing to pay that, they'll. I think that's what I don't was. know, man. I, I all the bands I listen to, nobody gives a shit about. So it's very easy for me to find find tickets to <laughs> Maryland Death Fest, right? You know, they're not going flying <laughs> off the shelves, you know, but. uh this they're gonna get their money's worth because Bruce is gonna play for 17 hours straight, right? That oh, you gotta true. see him live. That is true. You gotta see him. You probably have never seen him live. <laughs> like four hours of a nap. Who would you who would you rather have a conversation about their favorite uh band? Dave Matthews guys or Bruce Springsteen guys? Oh, Dave Matthews guys, because at least I fucked with Under the Table and Dreaming back in like 1994. Yeah. Like he had some like decent hits. Bruce is just mumbling, you know. So by the way, that story that I wrote about Bruce Springsteen got more, I got like more hate mail and like, and like support mail out of that too. Um, but if I learned anything from doing that, it, it was, it was, it was the geography thing, man. Like all the like hate mail I was getting from like New Jersey and like Philly people. And yeah, they were, they were saying so-and-so from Trenton or whatever. And then I had these people from like California and Arizona emailing me saying like, this is a great Bruce Springsteen article. I thought I was the only one who hated him. You know, that did like 50, that did like 50,000 page views on Crossing Broad, by the way. So. Everybody that was able to get a Philadelphia understands Kevin Kincaid's plight. Everyone else that stayed around here is like, Bruce is the best, just like Bruce. Jersey Shore is the best. Yeah. When oh, he came man. out with Coldplay or whatever that was, I wanted to drown myself in acid. Uh, Coldplay sold 100 million albums, man. Have some respect for the Coldplay. 
I'll never understand the Coldplay hate. I'll put Viva La Vida on. Just, if if Dave was, was producing right now, he'd turn both of us off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, get the shit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, that is Crossing Broadcast for today. We'll talk yeah. to you Thursday. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you thumbs up on the uh, on YouTube or I don't ever even say this on podcast. We have a great yeah. podcast following. I'm yeah. sorry that I never I never am able to no. shout you guys thank, out. But thank you great. everybody listening on the podcast feed. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. throw us a five star review. Maybe we'll read it on the show. Yeah, we got to get some more. Yeah, we need some five star reviews just to correct all of the one star reviews that we got during the two years that we stopped doing this. <laughs> so we need to pull we need to pull that back up to yeah. 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 Help us, just throw us a bone here, you know. All right. Well, all right. we'll see you good Thursday. Job, have good job everybody. Yeah, good job everybody. <laughs>